comic. Why so serious? What? I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger mission. Logic. Dance off, bro! Me and you! Comic. What? Logic. Still not sure what I am. I'm just living my life, day to day. You should be out there helping people. You think I asked for any of this? I was put in some tank like an exotic fish. Came out with abilities. I just want to be left the hell alone. Well, that would be a waste. Hey everyone, welcome to Comic Book Logic. I'm your host Joe, and with me is always my co-host Kevin. I feel like we've been here before. <laughs> Getting deja vu. All over again? <laughs> For keep up baseball memes? No. <laughs> I like how it's like, it's it's a baseball meme. Yeah. Yeah. Yogi Berra wouldn't know what that is. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> He's pre-meme. <laughs> Yogi Berra would be, of course it's meme. I said it. If you said it, it'd be a yum. <laughs> he was always stealing picnic baskets. <laughs> picnic baskets. Picnic baskets. <laughs> Today we're talking about something a little different. We know we're not doing comic book logic. Well, I guess yeah, it's comic book logic, but we're not doing the movies like we normally do. Today we're gonna attempt something new. We're gonna do the Netflix series Luke Cage. Hey, coming at you. Yeah, I just want to rap the entire time. Just finished. Please don't. Oh. I just finished the last two episodes today. Yeah. A little bit ago, so I'm fresh on the ending luke cage versus blackula such as it were i wish <laughs> they need to do a halloween episode <laughs> um so we're gonna start off this episode um like we start off most episodes kevin what did you know about luke cage mm. aka power man power man uh nothing 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 this is this is an obscure one um this is a relatively obscure one for Mass media, comic book mass media. Luke Cage was originally created by Archie Goodwin and John Romita Sr. Um, of course, it was. we've talked about this be- a little bit before. Um, well, a lot before, but <laughs> for those who are unaware, we recorded an entire podcast that was lost. I blame Kevin's dog. Eh. Um, <laughs> uh, Luke Cage was actually created in response to the exploitation film craze of the 1970s. Um, when it emerges in a new genre with movies such as, you know, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song and, and Shaft, of course, being the... The big mm-hmm. one, Dolomite, and mm-hmm. all those great ones. Uh, he debuted in his own series, Luke Cage, Hero for Hire, which was originally written by Goodwin and penciled by George Tuska. Cage's adventures were set in a grungier, more crime-dominated New York City. This New York City that Kevin and I love. Yes, the real New York, New York City. City. Not, not, not what Giuliani did. <laughs> the more Ed Koch New York City. Exactly. The New York City of the Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, he originally... Uh, debuted in Luke Cage Hero for Hire that turned into Luke Cage Power Man with issue 17. Um, when uh, He was also kind of paired up with Iron Fist, who we'll be seeing in the next Netflix series. Hmm. And it was Power Man, Iron Fist was their, was their team up, and they would team up. And Iron Fist, of course, was all about kung fu, which was also a very popular exploitation genre of the time. Yeah. We're going to use the term black exploitation genre film quite often in this podcast. Yeah. Um, Those two go hand in hand. If they didn't at the time, I think uh, we have Tarantino to thank for yeah, pretty much uh, <laughs> them being kind of thought of in the same way now. If you don't want to watch black exploitation because you think it's too terrible, just go watch Jackie Brown. 
It's yeah, a good, it's a good example, kind of, a, of that. Yeah, I mean, not not too great. It's definitely what he's doing. Yeah, I'm sure there are some good ones. We we said this. Before, I think we've said this on our other podcasts, not just the one that deleted. Uh, yeah, my dog, deleted. my dog ate, but <laughs> uh, my dog ate my podcast. Um, but yeah, th- this is not. Neither of those are are things that we're particularly well versed in. No, I like it, but it's not something that I follow religiously yeah I, I mean there's no one follows it probably as much as yeah. like tarantino and no. someone like that but i'm sure if i turn on netflix and coffee was on there i'd probably be like "Ooh, coffee yes <laughs> that's true i would be into that <laughs> Ooh, pam greer cleopatra jones yeah that sort of stuff um so the the series all the way on all the way to about issue 125 and that was in 1986 then it went for another 25 issues where it toned down kind of the black exploitation. Um, kind of got rid of his catchphrase, Sweet Christmas. Yeah. Which, uh, God bless Sweet Christmas. <laughs> Such a great catchphrase. <laughs> um, he actually came back. I mean, he kind of went away into obscurity for probably close to 20 years until about the mid-2000s when um, Brian Michael Bendis kind of resurrected the Avengers kind of like right before Iron Man, the movie, came out. And so all of a sudden Marvel was on this uptick with its books. And Luke Cage became, became kind of a central figure in a couple of his books, including the New Avengers, um, Alias, which is actually the book Jessica J. Jones debuted in. Mm. Um, he became kind of a love interest for her. They eventually actually had a kid together. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was the main thing. A sassy kid with powers. <laughs> a sassy kid with powers. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of slow saxophone in the background every time that kid walked around. That's his, that's his power. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> increasingly loud trumpet sounds uh-huh. <laughs> um luke cage of course had a lot of streetwise uh villains including diamondback um cottonmouth who we meet in the in the show much different than what we see in the show these were kind of just like typical villains um diamondback had exploding knives that was his trademark nice um there was also black mariah who you know we get mariah from the mm-hmm. the show as well with and then uh you know, it was mainly just a, a villain of the week type book where, like, he'd have his rogues galleries like Bat- like Batman or Spider-Man or something like that. Mm-hmm. However, it was primarily African-American, which made it very unique for its time period. Yeah. Give us the money. Yo, I don't like your tone. Excuse me? You're being disrespectful. It's unnecessary. Ooh. Yo, Amos. What up? Show the man what you famous for. Marvel and uh, Netflix's Luke Cage. <laughs> Netflix's Power Man. I, can I just say I'm actually really surprised that Power Man was still available in the 70s. Uh, yeah, I'm, How I'm, is that possible? I, I don't know. Um, uh, that would That's a little bit beyond me. I mean, I'm sure they used up every other adjective on the planet. I mean, Power Man's not even an adjective. It's not like he's Superman. You know? <laughs> yeah. He's just Power Man. Yeah. It's it's a good name, though. I like it. Um, you know, one of the things I didn't talk about was that Power Man, uh, Luke Cage, 
his costume was essentially like jeans with an open <laughs> right. v-neck white yellow you see it in the in the show uh-huh. i believe on episode three when he's like coming out when he breaks out of prison mm-hmm. he steals like this yellow shirt and he's got like a little tiara and these bracelets yeah. on like the manacles and he also has a big chain belt <laughs> yeah which is pretty badass yeah um does did not really he have hang stuff off of it <laughs> it's true the nice. carabiners Senior keys and yeah. stuff yeah <laughs> chain wallet it was, it was we're a little too early for the 90s yeah <laughs> Thank God Ska Man Fla- never took off. <laughs> I was going to say Flannel Man, but yeah. That was a sidekick. Third Wave Flannel Flannel Man and Third Wave Ska Boy. <laughs> third Wave Ska Boy. <laughs> no, it would be Ska Boy versus the Third Wave. <laughs> which I believe was... Go. I believe that actually was a, an album name for the um, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Yeah. 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 <laughs> The little short guy dancing on stage. Trumpet powers. (laughs) Stupid trumpet powers. All right. So um, we'll tackle this a little bit differently than kind of we talked about, like, last time we did this. I mean, we kind of went a little... We were doing the first six episodes. We did the first seven episodes. episodes. We're completely caught up now, so we're going to do the entire thing with the whole shebang. Yeah. So... We'll bounce around a little bit, probably. So the entire show is a narrative about the, about the neighborhood of Harlem. We keep on wanting to call it the city of Harlem, but as we all know, Harlem right. is not a city. It's, it's not a, a city. It's not even a borough of New York. It's not a borough, no matter what you yeah. might hear. Um, yeah, so much like Daredevil, which takes place all in uh, Hell's Kitchen, which is four square blocks. <laughs> right. It's basically like Daredevil's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> like his office where he works yeah and then like a bodega on the corner it's like and, and that's he, it yeah it's like it's it's not even called hell's kitchen anymore it's called clinton new york yeah. um yeah. and but now harlem is actually a city with a very enough city is a neighborhood with a very huge past sure i mean this show is kind of a, a love letter to harlem in a lot of ways it's very much shot on location mm-hmm. um you see all these parks like in, in the christmas attics building and mm-hmm. all these different places named after famous people from harlem you get the whole tour de force with the harlem jazz clubs yeah. and you know the music scene and all that this show is kind of as i say it's a love letter to that in the guise of yeah you could say black exploitation on one hand on the other hand you could say there's a lot of influence from uh early 90s uh black crime movies like new jack city or mm-hmm. king in new york you know those type of movies and um it's Luke Cage isn't even like almost the main character of this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the the protagonist, but it's more of a story of this crime family run by Cottonmouth. Right. Uh, Cottonmouth. Uh, let's see. Like I just just lost my damn notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just want to make sure I, I got their names right when I was bringing it up. Uh, so Stokes, Cornell, Stokes. Cornell, Cornell Stokes mm-hmm. is uh, Cottonmouth the kind of crime lord of Harlem at this time. There's a lot of different crime lords, different, but they're all different ethnicities, as per usual in a... Which is helpful. In a crime... Yeah, so you could... Oh, that's the Puerto Rican gang, and that's the Haitian <laughs> gang, and that's the Dominican <laughs> <Yeah>. gang. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's just easier, I think, yeah. for everyone to keep track of. Yeah. Um, he's running He's running a Harlem jazz, uh, jazz club. Uh, what is it called? The Harlem oh, Paradise. Harlem Paradise. And his, his cousin... Mariah and I was kept on calling Dillard. Mariah Stokes. Mariah Dillard. Dillard is um, on the city council, I guess. Yeah, or of like or the, the Harlem council. Council, <laughs> very neighbor, unclear. Neighborhood watch. <laughs> you know, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. kind of it is kind of unclear of what she's doing. But I'm assuming she's kind of like an alderman almost. 
Yeah. Like, we're from Chicago. We have an alderman, so. Yeah, that's her ward. That's her ward. <laughs> Maybe. She's the, the 110th ward. She's not wearing a big enough hat to really be an alderman. Yeah. That's what you got to do in Chicago. You got to have a big hat. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a local reference. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, so it, she is kind of wants to get above all the criminality of everything. Right. They're, they're right. They're cousins. Uh, we get a little bit of their story, but yeah, she's trying to do this. You get their sort of two perspectives of how they're trying to, uh, keep their power while also helping Harlem in yeah. their own way. And, you know, Cottonmouth's approach is he's going to help Harlem by keeping it, you know, the way that he kind of imagines that it should be with him on the top. Yeah. I'm going to protect Harlem by being the person who's in who's in charge of all of the gangs, all of the drugs, right. all of the guns. And by doing that, I can keep Harlem the way I want to have it. Right. You know, not a war zone, but I'm keeping control of everything. Mariah, on the other hand, wants to build up the infrastructure. She wants to have parks and she wants to have mm-hmm. uh, like a safer neighborhood for the kids. And they're working together. I mean, Mariah right. is... Her money to get a lot of that done yeah. is unfortunately coming from the criminal activity. Yeah. So there's there's that, that Godfather 3. Every time I keep on... <laughs> I want to get out, they pull me back in, you know, mm. the terrible movie. But <laughs> <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's pretty bad. So you have Cottonmouth and Mariah as, working on this, and you also have Mercedes Misty Knight mm-hmm. uh, being played by... Detective. Detective. Uh, played by uh, Simone Missick. Uh, she's playing... She's uh, she's investigating Cottonmouth. She wants to take him down. She knows he's... He's, he's, uh, he's a bad he's, dude. He's a bad dude, and he knows that... Mar- she knows that Mariah is, is wrapped up in it as well, but she really can't do anything about it. So as she's investigating, staying at, at the, the Harlem Paradise, she meets up with this bartender, this smooth-ass bartender, <laughs> who doesn't, it doesn't, he doesn't have to be smooth, the way he looks. No, he's not really even that smooth. No, he's, he's, he's kind of clunky. She is. He doesn't really know how to talk to people. Yeah. And that's Mike Coulter's Luke Cage. Yeah. Mike Coulter, I believe. Well, what was he in? He was in uh, House of Cards, right? Yeah. I believe was he, he was. in House of Cards? Is, he, is that who that is? Oh, I, gosh. I, I didn't think even that catch is, that. I think he is from House of because Cards. Because I, sort of, I sort of half-watched a little bit of that and then kind of bailed. <laughs> yeah, uh, I wasn't a big fan of the House of Cards either. Yeah, I know he's in Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah. Well, I mean, that man... That that man is too much. I, I don't I, know. I don't think he's in House of Cards. I don't think that's the same guy. No. I'm looking through. His, I'm skimming his credits right now. I don't think that's him. He's in Men in Black Three, which I have not seen. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, he's in a lot of stuff. <laughs> yes. Ooh, he's in American Horror Story. There you go. I'm sorry, guys. We we just got a little <laughs> a little carried away on that one. Um. So yeah, Mike Coulter's Luke Cage, the smoothest hunk of man you're ever gonna meet <laughs> i mean that man is too smooth for anything I'm, I'm not talking like just like his attitude i'm talking like his body it's just smooth all the way around mm-hmm. um and he gets right down to being power man yeah uh, he's a power top and he's a- <laughs> yeah so you know we we get introduced to him well obviously we were introduced to him in jessica, jessica jones. jones and this um, takes place after jessica jones right a couple of episodes uh, and then he kind of goes. We get enough to know that he was married. Um, his wife is killed, actually, by, by Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones. Spoiler yeah. if you haven't caught up on that. Um, but so yeah, this is after that. He's in Harlem. 
even though he was raised, he was born in Georgia. We he was born out. in Atlanta. Uh, Hot Atlanta. But uh, he's Listen sweeping to some up. trap music. What? <laughs> exactly. Sweeping up hair at uh, barbershop, Pop's yep. barbershop. Pop's barbershop. And Pop, sort of the neighborhood father figure guy, and he he knows. Yeah. He knows about Luke and Cage's this is, powers. This is where we start getting into a little bit of that Spike Lee, early late 80s, early 90s Spike Lee. I mean, the, yeah. all this stuff with Pop and Pop's Barbershop, and Pop's Barbershop being neutral, being Switzerland, with all the crime element, mm-hmm. Pop having some background with, with Cottonmouth, that's all straight out of like Spike Lee, do the right thing, and... and uh, uh, what, I why am I blanking on Spike Lee movies right now? Because I love Spike Lee, and I can't think of any of his... But he's like all of those early movies. Right. You know, um, you get a lot of that stuff, and a lot of the shots, a lot of the lighting, it's all early Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing I have to really give this show, is that when it's when it gets thematic with its direction, and its lighting, and its editing, it's at its top game. Like, like especially those early episodes, it's all very, yeah. th- very Spike Lee, very thematic um you get a, a lot of that stuff together and it feels very cohesive even though there's different directors at each episode it's like a real place i mean obviously harlem is a, a real, real place, place but yeah. it feels like this takes place in a real place it's so you know there's so many shows on tv especially like network tv that are all just gr- green screen yeah I mean, it's stuff that doesn't even need to be green screen, where it's just like you're on a city street. But because it's so expensive to shoot there, I mean, I don't even know if Law and Order does it well. The <laughs> one that's still on, you know, I don't know if they still do it. I'm assuming they do, but so many shows don't, and it's crazy. Well, I mean, it's one of those things that's like, and they do it so well in this show. They create Harlem as this character. Like I always, people, people around here love the damn Chicago shows that are on network TV. You know, oh Chicago God. Fire, Chicago Anyone that I know who has any connection to the police department, the, the, the Chicago Police Department or the Chicago Fire Department or anything like that, are just like, they watch every single one of those shows. And they're so bad. It's such a bad representation of Chicago, <laughs> too. Because first of all, none of the actors in there sound like they're from Chicago. They yeah. all have these like crazy neutral accents. <laughs> like You never hear anybody going like, ah, uh, yeah, you just got to go uh, down the street there. <laughs> and I go to the Jewels. The Jewels. I was at this store the other day. Jewel is our local grocery, one of our local. Uh, it is the local grocery big store. Grocery store. Well, that's true. Dominic's was the other one, and they're gone now. But <laughs> no, no, no. The Dominic's. <laughs> no, I don't think anyone said the Dominic's, but everyone says, says the Jewels. Jewels or the, the Jewels. Jewels. The Jewels. But there is no S at the end and of it. And it was funny because I was in Target the other day, and Krista, my wife, Krista, actually, like, makes a lot of fun of how people say all of these crazy things and i was like uh like i have an ear for it now where i'm like oh, that guy just said jewels <laughs> he said jewels <laughs> well i'm from that that i'm from the hotbed of people who talk like that and so it drives me absolutely crazy when i'm gonna go to the jewels and pick up some sausage some sausage pick up a sausage yeah um what are jewels at <laughs> what are jewels at? <laughs> that's how we talk it's terrible. Uh, it's about uh, how do I get to, how do I get to the jewels? Uh, it's about fifteen minutes that way. <laughs> we measure everything in time, time, and it's always fifteen minutes, regardless. I think <laughs> regardless of where you're going. All right, so back to the show. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Harlem becomes like a really big character in this the neighborhood and uh, the motivations for why people are doing certain things. Mm-hmm. the The main reason is the the main plot gets kicked off because some people inside Count Mouse organization, so three young kids are gonna 
double deal on on Cottonmouth, and they're going to steal both his money and his. Uh, uh, well, they guns? don't want to steal. They I don't, don't want to steal the guns. the guns. Yeah, they just want to steal the money mm-hmm. that were going to be exchanged for some guns, some high tech hammer gear. Mm-hmm. Justin Hammer, as you remember from Iron Man Two, played by Sam Rockwell. Oh. Sadly, the show Sam Sam Rockwell. Oh. So they end up stealing Cottonmouth's money, and they go into hiding. Well, not after, uh, not until they kill one of their co-conspirators. Um, he ends up getting killed, and they. Uh, Cottonmouth finds out about this because these criminals are dumb. They're really dumb. They're, they're, they, he, has, he just finds out, like, who wasn't working that night? Oh, this kid took the day off. Oh, that's him. <laughs> yeah. And he realizes that immediately and says, We're oh, s- this is going to be crazy. And so uh, the other guy, the other one of the other kids shoots him. Yeah. But not before he can call and basically <laughs> explain exactly what happened in detail yeah. and then die. And then die. Um. So the the one kid is actually works with Pop in the barber shop, mm-hmm. and uh, Pop is worried about him. So he says he tells Luke, he's like, Luke, you have the powers to go do this. I know about your special, your superpowers. Go take care of this kid. So Luke's like, I don't want to do it. You got to use your power, man. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I want to do it. And he's like, you better go do it. I don't want to. Okay, I'll go do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to do it. Cut next scene. It's Luke going to this kid's house. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, he talks him into it, takes him to Pop's barbershop, which, and Pop's going to arrange a deal. Mm-hmm. So he's going to give the money back to Cottonmouth. Cottonmouth is going to let this kid go because it's it's Switzerland. It's neutral. Yeah. And Cottonmouth respects Pop because they used to work together back on the streets. They both used to hustle on the streets back in the back in the eighties <laughs> when they would wear the Walkman. And- right. They're both supposedly the same age, even though yeah, <laughs> Frankie like- Faison is probably like <laughs> twenty five years older than uh, the actor who plays Cottonmouth. I love how they go back to the nineteen eighties because it's like I don't even think that they filmed anything new. I think they just use footage from the Get Down on Netflix. <laughs> they <laughs> might have scenes from the nineteen eighties. They might have. I, but I love that the 1980s is like you go outside and there's these kids break dancing and they're like yeah. all wearing like period of authentic clothes and then you get to like Cottonmouth like home life and it's something out of um I, I, like a I don't I can't even think of what the native son you know yeah. <laughs> it's like, a little bit yeah it, it was very weird yeah and you're just sets them apart i guess yeah and it's like why are these all of a sudden transported to the 1950s what is going yeah. on here outside run dmc MC, is walking like, by but like inside it's all like the supremes it's yeah, yeah. or thelonious monk yeah. is sitting there smoking a cigarette Django reinhardt with his three fingers is strumming a guitar <laughs> in the corner uh, and that's all the jazz that's references we know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so they're so Pop's setting this up, uh, and one of Cottonmouth's lieutenants finds out about it. Um, this is after, of course, Cottonmouth finds the one kid and beats him to death with his hands. Yeah, right, right um, in front of his uh, uh, notorious B.I.G. painting. Oh yeah, Kevin the loves Biggie the Biggie painting. I really want a, a reproduction, a life-size reproduction of that. You know, and it's, I will hang that in my house. It's one of the things that kind of irked me about it. Because like, the first time you see it, you're like, oh, he's going to step in front of that. He's going to have the crown on his head. He's going to yeah. step in front of Oh, he's going to do that. And he and does th- it. And then they do it like four more times. <laughs> Not, and, and then it comes back at the very end. The very end with a completely different, different painting. painting. But she's like, So she's like, I'm going to replace this painting. But I really like the crown element. I like the motif. <laughs> so find me a similar colored. Yeah, 
painting, uh, similar color palette, also with a crown. Yeah. And they're like, how's this? And they're like, I wish it's I kn- two crowns, but it's like, yeah, okay. Not to jump to the end, but I kind of wish I knew who painted that picture. Because I bet, I bet you it's something from like the Harlem Renaissance or a Harlem artist who did that. Like Probably. Someone who, someone who probably did some of the original paintings. It was paint- Gil Scott Heron. Really? No. I, I, was gonna, I don't even think he was a painter. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say... He may have dabbled. It's some, one of the people who did the artwork for one of the early seasons of the Cosby Show opening, probably. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so... Uh, Luke is a, and so Luke is a uh, is part yeah, the of the lieutenant shows up, up and he he takes it upon himself to just light <laughs> up Pop's barbershop. He does not have the respect, yeah. and he just yeah. obliterates it. Luke Luke jumps in front of the boy to protect him. Mm-hmm. Um, Pop gets shot in the, the neck. Kid is it Chico? I, I, it's Chico. Chino? It's Chico, Chico and the Power Man. Chico is. <laughs> Well, we we had it right when we talked about it the last time, time, but that was a week ago, yeah. and now I'm trying to remember the early episodes. But yeah, yeah, I think it's Chico is the is the kid that they're trying to protect, and he gets shot but not killed. But then, of course, Pop yeah takes a bullet in the neck and he dies, and Luke is getting some rage going he's un- on. He's unhappy. He's very unhappy. Um, and Cottonmouth is unhappy too because he ends up killing the lieutenant. Yeah. He's not happy about that. Yeah. So Luke decides that he's going to take down Cottonmouth where it hurts. And uh, he's able to manipulate Cottonmouth into putting all of his assets into the Crispus Attics building. And then Luke is going to go assault the Crispus Attics building. Mm -hmm. So what does he do? He puts on some Wu-Tang Clan. (laughs) He puts it on the headphones. And then he he takes a car door and uses it as as a shield. He is literally the Captain America of Harlem. Yeah. Uh, He's Captain Harlem. Yes. I mean, I I noticed kind of that, that, that... that kind of sim- uh, metaphor, almost that they're going for the symbolism of him uh-huh. using a shield, a car door as a shield, yeah. going in there, and he takes the- he takes down the whole organization while listening to "Bring the Ruckus," yes. one of my favorite Wu Tang Clan songs, probably one of the best ones. I, maybe I maybe not the best, but in the top three at least, it's definitely up there. Yeah, S- which causes Mariah to ha- get even deeper into the criminal organization. Yeah, because a lot of her money was in there. Her offices were in there. I don't know what the Crispus Attics was. It was like an apartment. It was. It was just yeah. like a big complex. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so now I'd like to get into waterfront a lofts. <laughs> I don't think there's waterfront in Harlem. Yeah, there maybe is. a little. Yeah, okay. On the on the on the west side. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you don't get past 110th Street, you're okay. Hmm. Uh, what's that? What's the Bill Burr? Does Bill Burr do a bit on that? It's, yeah, yeah, we talked about that before. Oh. Bill Burr does the the has a great bit from a while back of him dating a black girl who lives in Harlem, and how every time he would take the subway down <laughs> to see her, he would just get increasingly panicked as the numbers <laughs> got go up. Um, and not that, but this is pre Giuliani, probably so. Yeah, he cleaned up a lot of everything. Maybe. I yeah, know. I don't remember when that. It's an old bit. It's an old bit. So Mariah gets. So I want to talk a little bit about the the Mariah Cottonmouth kind of uh, relationship because that's the that's the central theme of this show. I mm-hmm. think um, at least the first seven episodes, and because Mariah and Cottonmouth were both raised by uh, by what's her uh, big Mama, Mama Mabel, Big Mama Mabel, Ma- Mama Mabel, Mama yep. Mabel. Who was a big crime boss in Harlem of mm-hmm. the 1950s slash 1980s Harlem? <laughs> right. Um, you know, and she ends up raising them both. She wants Mariah to be the lawyer, and she wants mm-hmm. Cornell to take over the empire, right. the criminal, the tiny criminal empire she's built in Harlem. Right. 
Um, but it's actually uh, Cornell wants to be a musician. He wants to be a piano player. He's got a lot of talent. His uncle believes in him. Uh, but Mama Mabel wants nothing to do with it. She wants him running the organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, that comes up to the fact of that the uncle ends up trying to betray Mabel, right, and sell out the organization to the Puerto Ricans. Yeah, he's a bad dude, which forces Mabel to make Cornell shoot his own uncle, the one, the guy who supports him, tries to take him to auditions to get into like probably Juilliard or something like that, one mm-hmm. of those one of those art schools in New York. And uh, he does. He, he did a very Kitty Genovese thing. They take him out to the backyard, and there's people like closing their blinds, knowing what's going <laughs> right. on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shoots and uh, he shoots him right there, which kind of leads him in his empire and you starts c- his path. You kind of get these shots of Cornell playing the piano every once in a while. He's just like doing scales, pretty much, is what yeah. he's doing. Um, but it turns out that Mariah was get probably getting molested was was being molested by her uncle at the right. time. Which leads to a confrontation about midway through the series of when uh, Cottonmouth confronts Mariah and says, like, you know, you pretty much forced me to kill our uncle. Uh, I loved him. He's the only one who believed in me. Mm-hmm. You were uh, you were teasing him. You you were asking yeah, for you're it. leading him on or whatever, that typical yeah. kind of thing. And yeah. that and that she was already Mariah's character, she was already kind of on this path becoming increasingly desperate because the money was gone, you know, Luke was, you know, she's getting too close to all of this yeah. and she couldn't get any leads because um, of the heat, <laughs> right? Because of the heat uh <laughs> the, heat. the heat that's being on that's on I, her. I know, I just like I the just fuzz. Like the no, fuzz. that's not what I meant. Um she is being forced out of her nebulous political <laughs> position of sorts. Uh, she's going to be no forced out We no longer want you on day. the parent-teacher count- council. <laughs> yes, you have to step down <laughs> as the Harlem representative to the New York Scales and Means Commission. <laughs> Weights and Means Commission. Weights and Means Commission. <laughs> Whatever it is. So... Um, so that just sets the, that comment from Cottonmouth sets her off. She hits him on the back of the head with a bottle and pushes him out his little window and his of his mm. of his office. The big window yeah. that we get to see all the time because that's exactly where you get the frame of the Biggie poster with the crown on. Yeah, um, Alfre Wooder, by the way, playing Mariah. Yes. I don't think we mentioned that Alfre Wooder, who's been acting forever. Great actress. I always doesn't go, seem to age. Looks the same. She, she did really in stuff does. Like Thirty years ago. <laughs> I mean, she was Somehow. in Star Trek First Contact, and that was like 96, and she looks identical. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she put, and also in, in uh, Civil War, which is, we, we yeah, mentioned that, which is weird. it's a little bit weird, and it's not the same character at all. No. Um, unless That's sort of a weird Marvel thing, but that just, you know, one further of the, shows one that One of the separate. only times in the history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe where you have a character playing, uh, an actress playing two separate characters. That doesn't happen. I think it's just because her part is so small in Civil War. Yeah. That, you know, who knows? So, she ends up beating him, to de- uh, beating Cornell to death with a mic stand. Yeah. And Shades, who's uh, kind of a henchman throughout this entire thing, says that, like, Oh no! Wait, you're the real one that I should be backing, not yeah. Cornell. And he has a thing for her yeah, that so, sort of plays itself out in a weird way. Yeah, didn't really get that too much. Yeah, it was bizarre. But uh, he's uh, and shades is he's played, like I want you to win. Yeah, and he talks like in a really weird, non-ethnic, creepy voice the entire yeah. time. Like easy there. <laughs> 
We're going to get it all taken care of. You've got to hide me, Rick. <laughs> Wait, no, that's a different. <laughs> that's different. Um, yeah, so they, they end up cleaning it up and pinning the death of Cottonmouth on Luke Cage, who mm-hmm. actually just had a confrontation with Cottonmouth earlier, because Cottonmouth found out that Luke Cage is actually Carl Lucas. Oh. Bum, bum, bum. And we're like, who? Yeah. It turns out Carl Lucas was a prisoner who went to jail at Seagate Prison for a crime that's never really explained. Yeah, he's set up for it. Yeah, he's set up for he's it. He's framed for the crime. And he was a cop, right? Yeah, he was a, he was a cop. He was also ex-military, a cop. Sure. Um, he was originally arrested with his with his half-brother, Willis Stryker, um, for stealing a car. And because uh, Carl Lucas was the preacher's son, he got to go to the Marines, and Willis Stryker got to go to Juvie. There you go. Where he killed a guy in Juvie and got to an even more extensive prison term. Mm-hmm. Um, that may come into effect later. Oh. <laughs> uh, so... Carl Lucas ends up into this, you get this great one episode yeah. prison sequence where you get this. Uh, definitely this, my favorite episode. Where you find out that Seagate Prison actually has a prisoner fight club. You know, a very. And yeah, like um, they all do, I yeah. assume. Um, we we talk about it. It's it's, it's like the movie Mandingo and, or like the that, that genre Mandingo where you'd have. Mm. Uh, we talked about it with Django Unchained. Uh, yeah. Right, exactly. It's, they they it's, make reference to that. Um, that's part. Of, it, it's a not a part, a big part of black exploitation in general, but that's the kinds of things that subject matter that they could yeah tackle in those uh, those films. I mean, Netflix goes a little different. That it's not just black prisoners who are fighting, but it's it's that's obviously an homage to that mm-hmm. part of the genre right there. Um, you know, Carl gets increasingly more and more desperate as he's fighting he doesn't care anymore he's losing his humanity um and but he finds his humanity again in his psychologist rena rima riva riva Riva. not a real name no not a real name at all (laughs) just a sound (laughs) riva (laughs) yeah uh so penny what do you want to watch on tv tonight riva what (laughs) (laughs) that's what it's like living with my daughter um she's actually bringing a lot out of him, you know, opening him up more, and she gets him into a special uh, experiment after he's damaged, like he's hurt really bad. Yeah, he's jumped by Shades. Yeah, that's right, he's jumped by Shades. another guy who I don't think it's revealed, or maybe I missed it, I don't know. It was um, Merv Griffin. Yeah. <laughs> For the man with two brains. Weird. <laughs> that's why he's, That's why when he's sleeping, he's like, Shades, Merv Griffin. <laughs> he's like, you keep talking about Merv Griffin. It's, you got superpowers, and he ended up uh, creating Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> Very weird, weird path. Um, yeah. No, he, he gets put into this... this uh, no this... one from Harlem can afford a vowel. <laughs> that's terrible. That's how they keep us down. Um... He ends up uh, going into this prison where he's treated to this experiment by this creepy doctor. It, it's also the doctor is very black exploitation. It's this creepy white guy doctor. Oh who's yeah, experimenting. he's great. Yeah, and he's the uh, he's the lawyer. He's the gang 
the the main gang's uh, lawyer in The Wire. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'm used to sit like as soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh, he's gonna be a bad guy because he's always <laughs> the bad aligning guy. himself. He's like that weaselly, like that typical, you know, oh, it's just you know, but he's doing all these bad things to people. <laughs> yeah. Um, Can't trust him. Yeah. And so. You know, after we we find out all the stuff about Luke Cage, now he has skin that's like abalone shell. <laughs> yeah, that was so weirdly specific. I, I did not need that information. You don't need to have a scientific basis for superpowers. It no. just you don't. It's stupid to do it's it. Magic. Got it's, it. Yeah. I don't. What do you want me to say? Yeah. Um. And we find out a lot more about this after Luke Cage starts um, macking on Rosario Dawson, the night nurse, Claire. Yeah. Temple, Temple. Is it Claire Temple? Yes. Yes. That sounds right. Yeah. Sure. Then Let's say it is. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say yes, Claire Temple. Good. Um, the night nurse from all the other Marvel all series. Shows, she's yeah, she, the, the common thread. She is the Stan Lee of the Marvel <laughs> yes. Netflix universe. Better looking. Yeah. Than the the, the NCU, sure. Netflix Cinematic Universe. <laughs> um definitely better looking than Stan Lee. Yeah. Um she's been making on 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 Luke Cage and after so yes, we have to talk about, about how he gets down there and yeah. why he has to go back. So no, well, well, the 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 whole thing is is that um, Misty's partner, Detective Scarf, is actually on the take. <laughs> Scarf, detective, he's on detective the take. Detective Scarf, he from, kills the from Thundercats. Yes, he kills the one kid who uh, was yes, Chico. After Chico, all that, he, he kills, kills him with his tie. Yeah, with his tie. Weird. And he's actually um, trying to. He's going to be blackmailing. Uh, um, Cottonmouth. Cottonmouth. Cottonmouth shoots him. Yeah. Because he's like, you're not going to kill a cop. And Cottonmouth is like, pop, pop. <laughs> like, I'm crazy yeah. enough to do I'm it. I'm crazy. Pop, pop. Um, so Scarf ends up uh, trying to escape. Misty and Luke track him down and try to make a, try and get away with it while Cottonmouth's guys are trying to kill him off. Uh, Scarf. Yeah. So they manage to get him. It's super close, but he ends up dying. Yeah. And it turns out that the evidence is not enough to convict Cottonmouth. But Luke thinks he's done enough, but it does. It turns out that there's another guy waiting in the wings, and he shoots him with this magic bullet called the Judas bullet. A yeah. Judas for a Judas. Magic bullet, and it, literally. And it's able to pierce his skin. Yeah. And he goes down. Um, so I gave, That would be my, my, my biggest fear if I was suddenly found myself bulletproof, is I still wouldn't go out and be a superhero, because I'd be like, what if it went away? Yeah. Would it like? How would I know? Like, what if like that day? I'm like, ha ha ha! I'm bulletproof. And then like the next day, I get shot. And I'm like, it was temporary. And Kristen's. I didn't know it was temporary. Kristen's like, don't forget your weakness is kryptonite. <laughs> Thanks, Kristen. Tell the whole neighborhood whiteout, you. <laughs> I was bulletproof for a while. I'm apparently not anymore, and it really hurts. <laughs> In fact, I think I'm more susceptible to bullets now. You know what's great about being bulletproof? About having indestructible skin, Kevin? No paper cuts. <laughs> it's great. I've lived 20 years now, not a single paper cut. Yeah. yeah. That's like cool. if Jerry Seinfeld was Blue Cage. <laughs> so anyway, the uh, <laughs> that was my daughter. Um, the the bullet, He takes the bullet, and you got to go track down the doctor who originally performed the surgery yeah. in order to... they can't get the bullet out. They can't get the bullet out. he's got the powers. Yeah, he's got... <laughs> I got the power! Exactly. Who did that one? I have no idea. But the... um. 
So they go find this doctor and they find a little bit more about the background to it. Turns out that Reva was part of the whole conspiracy. Aww. Whether or not, it's it's weird. They never really explain if like she actually loved Luke or like uh, yeah, if she grew to love that Luke. It, right, yeah, Luke that it or, was probably a mixed bag. Just you know, yeah. So Luke, in getting his powers, kills the corrupt guard who's putting him into these fight clubs, and he's uh, you know, that's uh, we, you know, he's the one who actually give by giving him heat. By adding heat to the equation, yeah. which is part of the whole thing of how they get the bolts out is they heat up the acid. <laughs> yeah, uh, magic. I got magic. It. Yeah, yeah. That's that's my least favorite episode because it's an hour of that happening and Misty talking to the psychiatrist. Oh yeah, and if that's all that happens for an hour. Yeah, and Misty under in, un, this entire time is under investigation by Internal Affairs. Because it turns out her partner was crooked, and right. she's like, she slept with Luke Cage. Right, and so, they're like, they're like, you're a detective, how would you not know? And they're like, well, he never bought any new clothes. <laughs> it's like, really? That's your I evidence mean, for how you don't know? I mean, it's, it's like, you're like, Misty, you're not really that great of a detective. No. Like, everyone says you're that great of a detective. You're not really that great of a detective. I don't see it. No. Yeah. Um, but it, we we also get to find out a little bit more about Luke's past with his with his half brother Willis, mm-hmm. and it turns out that it's his half brother who's running this whole operation as Diamondback. Yeah, um, played by Eric LaRay Harvey, probably mm-hmm. best known from Boardwalk Empire. Yep, as Chucky White's kind of muscle, great character actor. Everyone in this show is fantastic. Um, he ends up. Uh, th- Taking over the Harlem nightclub after the so the cops are looking for Luke now because he's one because he, I guess he smacked around a cop and Cotton and uh, and Diamondback using some special gloves punched another cop and killed him making it look like it was Luke Cage. Yeah, it's sort of a joke about how like he can just go around pretending to be Luke Cage and like he's been in the news at this point. Yeah, like everyone in the neighborhood knows who he is, including Method Man. And then, yes, and then someone else walks around and is like, I'm Luke Cage now. And everyone's like, I guess it's, it's Luke, Luke Cage. Like, nobody pays any attention. Well, and that's, you know, that's where we, we start seeing a lot of this stuff. Like, people aren't giving up Luke Cage because they like Luke Cage. He's kind of the hero of Harlem. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cops are, like, cracking down on it. One cop beats up this kid, like, this chess club kid who's coming home. Just because he won't talk about Luke Cage. He won't, he's like, no, yeah. um, you can't hold me. That's not legal. <laughs> and one of the only times that, like, like a cop, like, it's, like, shown how it actually is, where it's like, no, you, you don't have to say anything to a police officer when you're in an interrogation room. You can wait for a lawyer. You can get a, you get a phone call. You know, you're allowed to, to do all this. You, unless you're being charged, you can be let go after 24 hours. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's pretty... It's one of the only things that's even moderately realistic, <laughs> realistic. about how the police department works on this show. But he's uh, he's beaten up by this cop, and it's, it becomes this whole rallying cry, you know. You know, what is it, what did they say? Like, no more, something like that. Yeah, whatever it is they say about yeah, there's you some know, chant that they do gonna, yeah. eventually turn on him because they don't know the difference and they think that he, he did kill a cop. Yeah, well, and so that that's what Mariah is doing is trying to get the people against Luke Cage, right? Um, because she's going to use the arms dealer contact of Diamond Mouth to get New York City to buy all of these anti superhuman weapons. Like yes. that's the whole point is like to stir up all this problem so that the police so that the city buys these weapons which will make Diamondback richer. It's a very convoluted plot. 
a little bit for a revenge thing that eventually is what the, the whole thing takes part in yeah a little bit um so yeah they uh they do this whole thing but luke cage shows up to this rally which causes diamondback to shoot up the entire club <laughs> just starts shooting people takes hostages and they're like it's okay we can still blame it on luke, luke cage, cage. And they're yeah. like and shades is standing there like how <laughs> you're letting people go and they know it wasn't luke cage <laughs> i mean that's like the great thing is like shades is like literally being the voice of reason they're going no they won't <laughs> this is insane but of course diamondback is right because the cops are still like well we'll still arrest luke cage anyway <laughs> My just to sort this out which leads to a conversation like that's their answer to everything <laughs> which <laughs> just arrest everyone my favorite uh part in the entire luke cage series where we finally get cotton Mo- and we get diamond back quoting friday saying bye felicia <laughs> <laughs> yes right before he kills that guy well, he tries that to- he calls diet obama <laughs> The, the other yeah. nebulous councilman guy. That, that I don't episode know. was full of weird jokes that were funny, but like I don't know how they hit because they really shouldn't have been funny. <laughs> like when Shades walks up and he's like, "What are you talking about, Willis?" Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he didn't like do it like what you talk about, Willis. Like he didn't like try to do it. He's like, he's like, "What are you talking about, Willis?" <laughs> then Striker's like, "Oh, now you're making jokes." Yeah, yeah. I thought it was great. Okay. I thought I I just I felt like it was a joke that needed to be said, but it, it, and, right. it and it wasn't delivered because Diamondback is obviously messed up in the head. He's a crazy person. So anyway, yeah, they they managed to break the whole thing up. Shades gets arrested, manages to get out in like five seconds. Anyway, mm. they think they finally have everyone, but they don't. Yeah, they Diamondback, arrest Luke Cage, yeah, who's eventually exonerated. And he, there's nothing he can really do because the the cops have the Judas bullets. Yeah, and they're like, we're, we're you know, they want to kill him because they think he killed a cop, so they're he's the worst. But uh, he manages to escape because, of course, he does. Yeah. Um. And the one girl who was tur- turning evidence against Luke for killing Cottonmouth mm-hmm. gets a conscience, decides to rat out Mariah, who paid her to not do it. Mm-hmm. Shades manages to uh shades and and uh mariah want to parlay with luke because they want to take diamond back out of the situation yeah so they're gonna give luke all the evidence to show that uh carl lucas was framed and i don't know where they got this evidence from it's just, just yeah i don't know the script room the i don't script, know yeah. they just yeah so they um but shades in like after uh diamondback <laughs> diamondback shows up in a full suit of armor to take down Luke at the barber shop while this whole parlay is going on. Right. He really gets into the whole comic book character thing. Well, I mean, it's it's in terms of, like, yes, it's striker tech. This is, like, the type of stuff that he was selling to the city to take down superheroes. Mm-hmm. But it actually looks a lot like his comic book costume. I'm, I figured. Yeah. Yeah. So he ends up... Uh, Putting on this costume and fighting Luke, which causes this whole thing. Misty loses her phone, which has the evidence on it, but it also has the number which to contact the girl. Mm-hmm. Shades, you know, finds this out and I don't he know. loses the file, but manages to, to pick, pick up, up the, the detective's phone. Why she doesn't have a password on that phone, I don't know. That's yeah, terrible. Because yeah. he would have been like, "Oh, I gotta come up with a four-digit password." Ah, oh, screw this. <laughs> they won't let me use one, two, three, four. Ah, no password. That's fine. <laughs> well, I'm gonna say zero, 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 one, <laughs> zero, 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 two, 
I mean, uh, how long can that possibly zero, zero, take? Zero, 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 three. Ah, screw this. And she's like, why? I'm surprised you didn't find out my password. Zero, 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 four. <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, he kills the girl. Yeah. Uh, Luke gets into a, a Harlem street fight with, with Diamondback. With all the people like yelling, like, kick his ass, Luke! I know. That was really funny and... It, I Probably it. the way it needed to go yeah, down. Exactly. Yeah. And then what Luke realizes that, like, uh, Diamondback's power armor is getting powered by the fact that he keeps hitting it. Like, every time he hits him, it, like, charges it up. Mm-hmm. So he realizes that by not hitting him, it's going gonna, it's gonna to lose its power. Yeah. So he says, like, fine, do it. You know, take me down. And he eventually, you know, he it has, wears down enough that he takes him out with a single yeah. punch. Basically, yeah, big Popeye punch, and takes him down. Um, that's great, except for the fact that um, Mariah. There's not enough evidence to take down Mariah now mm-hmm. because that girl with is the dead. witness dead. Yeah, so she's able to take over the Harlem Jazz Club and put up her own little picture with crowns, which we already mm-hmm. talked about. Um, Striker. Gets put into a lit in his denouement. Gets put into a uh, into that same with the same doctor. Something's yeah, going on there. That's gonna. That's obviously the answer is to make a super powered yeah make person out of the crazy villain. Yeah. Um. And Misty is all upset because she can't get it. Claire um takes a little thing for kickboxing, which is actually run by the partner of Iron Fist. If you kept caught the name uh, on there, yeah, I did. It's, it's a little, and I wouldn't have noticed. A little anyway. hint, so that's how she's going to be showing up in the Iron Fish show. Sure. And uh, Luke is arrested by the feds and taken back yep. to Seagate. Even the marshals though marshals come out and they're like, "You owe the state of Georgia time." Yeah. Even though Fish, his his barbershop friend, who the guy who's running the barbershop, finds the file. You know how long it'll take to exonerate him. Uh, uh, until season two comes out. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. A very weird way of ending season one, um, because no one really gets their uh, their comeuppance. I mean, no, Stryker does really. a little bit, but he's not really. No. No, not he gets really superpowers all. for all he's of his He's going to get superpowers. Yeah. yeah. weird. And that's Luke Cage, season one. Pushing for the king of New York, I see it. Gangsters try so hard, but can't be it. Only one could rise above all the rest And I got faith in my man Les Take down the king's throne, conquer the war zone Lester King, I call him LK for short CLK pushing for that king of New York Few million dollar cribs, Liberace jewel box Gold ox, ostrich leather shoes, Egyptian socks Tailor-made shoes built like a brick house Six foot nine, son, the guard had the duck in his house Keep a trail of bitches, I'm talking three on each side The head of the syndicate, walk with black pride Production notes on Luke Cage So in May 2013, Marvel Studios got the rights back to Luke Cage from Sony Pictures now there had been I knew there had been rumors going around for a long time about getting Luke Cage made into a major motion picture. Um I know that Mario Van Peebles was a person who tried to get it made for a while. Um Columbia tried to get a picture since 2003, nothing happened. So in Mar- 2013 Marvel Television wants to put this together. Um they want to put like a 50 a 60 episode deal so like they were like they were going to do it as a video on demand thing. Hmm. Which I don't know what happened. But then the Netflix package happened. So you have Net, uh, Daredevil going to Netflix and getting huge ratings. Yeah. Which So they want to do a second show. And so they want to do more shows. So they put together the package with Jessica Jones, or what was originally called AKA Jessica Jones, 
uh, Power Man and Iron Fist. Power Man turned into Luke Cage. Um, I probably because Power Man is such a ridiculous title. Yeah. And, you know, people would go like, Power Man 5000 has their own show now? All right. <laughs> I remember that band, kind of. <laughs> that, that, I don't, they're not a band, but I, I know that EDM artist, <laughs> I believe. I, they're like a hard rock. I don't know. There's a little bit. I, I, I still think, I never did look it up from the last time, but I, I think that uh, the dude, the singer is Rob Zombie's brother. Oh, okay. Or cousin. So, or something. They put together this package and, Luke Cage is actually going to be, and they've said they're going to put all four of them together, and they're eventually going to form the Defenders, the mm. kind of B-level Avengers that yeah, are going to the, the Netflix Avengers, the, basically. The Defenders is a great com- is an actual comic book that was uh, that was B-level Avengers, but it was like Ghost Rider and Doctor Strange and like Silver Surfer, like nah. all, you know, getting together and, and doing all that stuff. Not really the Avengers, but they it would always end up being like these. B-level team-ups is what it would be. So that's what, mm. kind of what this is. But they wanted it to be a street-level Avengers. You know, not Captain America and Iron Man, but, you know, Power yeah, Man. Taking on aliens yeah. and stuff. These are people that are going to take down Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> right. <clears throat> okay. oh. They're going to ride her out of the rails of, of New York. <laughs> Get out of here, Zool. Go back to Jersey. Go back to Jersey. <laughs> we care about people here in New York. <laughs> um... So the show is actually pretty unique in that the majority of the writing staff and directing staff is all African American, produced by African American. Um, you know, it's it's got uh, all of the episodes are named after Gangstar songs, which yes. I think we talked before. I don't know Gangstar. The that rap well. duo. Yeah, I know a couple of their songs. I, I never did get super into them, but uh, I, I just yeah. haven't listened to them. But what they the it's part of like a whole theme where every episode is supposed to be like a song on an album, you know, like like a, it's supposed to be like an album almost, right? Where it plays together. So Chow Croker, um, Coker wanted to do this. It, he kind of wanted to be kind of like a Netflix version of like what Shonda Rhimes is doing with um, How to Get Away with Murder and uh, what's the other one where the where the woman sleeps with the president. <laughs> I don't know. Scandal? Scandal! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, she's super popular with that. Um, so one of the things that I kind of want to talk about with this is also something that I absolutely love with this show was the fact that they got um, Adrian Young and Ali Shaheed Muhammad to do the music for it. Um, and I know that uh, Young did the music for like Black Dynamite, which is another take on a black exploitation genre. Mm-hmm. Hilarious film if you haven't seen oh, it. Yeah. You gotta kinda have an appreciation for, for what black exploitation is as yeah. a genre to kinda get it. But it's right. it's pretty fantastic. Um but that's where you get a lot of these like like seventies esque stings in the show. I know you're not a huge fan of it, but I I loved it when I was watching it. No, I I liked it. I thought the music was good. I thought it was interesting that it was a it seemed to be an update of that music, a very modern version of that music. It yeah. didn't it wasn't just like it didn't sound like a soundtrack straight out of the 70s, which was good. Yeah, cuz you don't you don't want that. No. You wanted to take it and bring make it its own. And Adrian Young has a definite appreciation for 
um, for black music in general. I know he was kind of responsible for um, just a couple of years ago, kind of getting and they show up uh, midway through the season. The Delphonics uh, are one of the bands on stage, um, I believe, right after Cottonmouth dies. And um, Mariah seems to be now yeah. in charge of picking the music. So it's less it's fewer rappers and more um of like soul and jazz like she she gets you know sharon jones and the dap kings show up in the finale and then um well i mean so the delphonics are there and he was he their most recent um they did an album a couple of years ago that was adrian young presents the delphonics and he sort of produced the album and did i say it was young who did the stings it it wasn't that was um muhammad who did the the black dynamite soundtrack oh oh okay but i know what you're saying Yeah, Yeah. yeah but the one of the things that i thought was fantastic with it i mean they played Son of a Preacher Man in this. Now, well, yeah. Could anybody outside of Quentin Tarantino, like, that song was done. It, like, only that song was so ingrained in Tarantino at that point that mm. they were actually able to bring it back into the <laughs> show without even referencing Tarantino on it. It was just like, he goes, I, you know, my mom always loved Blue Eyed Soul. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, like, wow, they did that. That would be like, I, I, I could, there's very few songs that they could pull off like like that, and they, they made it work in the show too. Yeah. Oh yeah. One of my one of my big complaints I've always had about the Marvel shows and the Marvel movies is that their um, their music's been terrible. And uh, yeah, we talked about every frame is a picture. Every picture is a is or, a story. Every frame, frame is a story. Whatever yeah. Whatever it is, it is yeah. the group that that does that. We had posted the video on our Facebook yeah. page about how terrible it. Marvel music is. Right. Um, and just modern, like a lot of Hollywood movies, yes. uh, a lo- how bad their music there is. There hasn't it's, been it's a, a similar problem. There hasn't been a really good movie score probably since 2009, I would say. And that was the Star Trek 2009 one that I re- really enjoyed. I thought it was a, a good score. It wasn't fantastic, but it was it was decent. Hmm. Um, and before that, there's very few as well. This one actually was, ve- like, I love the score to it. I thought it was very moody and i thought it worked well with the show and it's something that marvel's been seriously lacking and i think it's because they took this these two guys who you know are really love what they do who really love what they do and they were able to kind of let them play in the playground mm-hmm. and create mood through their music yeah you know i mean uh adrian young it's young right uh, yeah yeah adrian young he yeah young he picked music that was like fantastic for the club scenes. I mean, it's anachronistic, but it it's anachronistic in a good way. It's kind of like when you're watching a no. It's almost like noir in a lot of ways. Like when you're watching noir film, you're like, uh, this. It, why, why are people talking like they're in the 1950s? What's going on here? You know. But it still it works for the genre, mm-hmm. and that's what I feel like. With this is like it's like. No one would really care about getting like seeing these bands at a Harlem nightclub in 2016, but they make it feel well, like people know. would go see right. that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, like because that's a big part of Harlem, yeah, of Harlem in general, and both each of their visions for Harlem does revolve uh, Cottonmouth and Mariah. uh, Mariah's. Their vision revolves a lot around the art and the music and all of that, and so. Um, that club being positioned as this is we're gonna kind of bring back 
all of that, you know, um, we get to see, I'm pretty sure it's the Apollo, right? The first time they fight, they fight inside oh, the Apollo. Oh, that's right. They fight inside the Apollo, yeah. And it's, I don't, I mean, it looks like it was shot there. I mean, there's certain stuff that obviously, because they destroy a little bit of it, so obviously they didn't yeah. do that. So I don't know exactly how that was done. The guy comes out on stage with a big hook and pulls Luke Cage off. It's, <laughs> right. it's pretty funny, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. That's basically what happened, yeah. He's, he's played off. But... <laughs> um. There's all of that. It all a lot of it revolves around the the history of the of the neighborhood, and the music is a big part of that. It's true. I mean, but it, it's still it's a little anachronistic. That's that's just what I'm saying. But it works because it's anachronistic, hmm. uh, because it, it creates not only mood and feeling, but it also lets you show that their vision of Harlem is a little outdated. Like that's not the Harlem that really exists anymore. Yeah. What they're trying to do is they're trying to pull back and create something that doesn't that's not there anymore sure i mean that's kind of just my my interpretation of it you can interpret it any way you want but yes it is it is iconic of harlem but it's like that's a harlem of old yeah kind of way i I liked it i dug it a lot Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean there's you know there's but there's a lot of like of those type of messages in the show too i think we could talk about that yeah i guess if we want to talk about the message let's talk about luke's little why don't people care anymore? Oh, like speech at the end, and we see all the cops standing around, oh yeah, listening to his, you know, and and I, I that's st- his, that's his Kirk, you know, you see to me moment. You know when Kirk at the end of an episode of yeah. Star Trek would be like, no, you have to take care of your people, you right? Know? It was a little bit of that. It was weird, and it made me think of the other night we were having a conversation about the Tyler Perry movies oh, and yeah. how those are like rooted in these church morality plays where you have to have this nice pretty biblical uh moral and lesson at the end of everything even though you have a guy dressed uh, dressed up as like a 75 year in this you know this six foot five 200 pound black man dressed up as a grandma yeah and acting completely silly throughout the entire time it has this incredibly serious message in it you know and it made me think of that and i wondered if that was like a way to if that was just part of the art that they're kind of referencing could be where they're like it has to end with this sort of moral you have to yeah we we have to care about each other in our neighborhood and why don't people care anymore and everyone's pants are too low and (laughs) he doesn't say that but that's what he wanted to say that (laughs) well i mean there's there's something to it i mean a lot of those a lot of those snapchats everyone's um, on the snapchat a lot of those morality plays usually end up with like the main, like the the character who is descending to sin, like paying for their their immorality, and like they got AIDS or something like that. No, I'm not <laughs> right. joking. That's yeah, the way yeah, it would yeah. end, right? And like the person like gets AIDS and then gets divorced and loses everything because of their sin. I mean, it's not quite that level, but it's like I can see where you're going with it, definitely. But the um, I think that there's there's a lot of other messages too. I mean, you know, you have uh. Luke Cage wears, of course, the Trayvon Martin hoodie throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 a direct oblique, it's an oblique reference to sure. what's been going on in our own modern America. Yeah, with they the, talk a lot about he. They're asked several several characters ask, you yeah. know, well, if he's innocent, why is he running? And there's yeah. this, there is that reference because you hear that a lot. It's just like, well, if you just keep your head down and if you just, yeah. you know, stay out of trouble, 
then, you know, you'll be fine. And it's like, well, that's what Luke is trying to do through this entire Entire show. show. And he he can't. It doesn't work. There is no staying out of trouble, trouble. especially if you're also expected to care about about what happens to your neighborhood and the people around you. Yeah. And it's I think what's what's great is, is that, you know, and they're going with the hoodie thing, too, is that the hoodie becomes his his costume. He doesn't wear like a spandex costume like Daredevil or you know Captain America Th- wears that a is, hoodie full of bullet holes it's, it's it's a symbol it's like he wears the hoodie and the thing is too is that it becomes so that the whole neighborhood starts wearing that right. so that the cops can't pick out Luke Cage so they start finding all these other people who are wearing it too is kind of like like a V for Vendetta thing when everyone's wearing the V mask mm-hmm. you know not like anonymous but like <laughs> you know right but they're they're wearing this to show the people in the to show the cops that they're all kind of united behind Luke Cage in this way, right? That they understand, and it's it's a statement of of the matter. Um, I I I, I dug it. I, I liked mm. it. I thought it was it. And it's yes, it's a little bonk bonk on the head, but I think sometimes you need that. Yeah, it, it wasn't so uh, obnoxious. No, where I mean, I think it I think it needed to be a, a little obvious so that you know you made sure people got it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there's also the fact that when Luke Cage would ever like he'd get like a, his hoodie torn up or shot up with bold holes, he'd always be like, you'd always find another hoodie and be like, you got double XL. There's no way that man wears double XL. <laughs> I'm sorry, but he's at least. I'm not saying he's fat. I'm saying he's at least a triple XL. Like I wear a double XL sometimes, and it's like. I got some room in there and everything like that. He's got to be wearing that thing. I think he's got to be tight. <laughs> like you can't, that can't be comfortable to wear for him. I don't know. I don't it's, know what to tell you. Maybe he's got like he's ability to wear his tight clothes. Is like it's like I also have the ability to feel real comfortable in tight clothes as well. But that's ridiculous. And then he meets up with Method Man, of course, who gives him a hoodie. Great, <laughs> great little scene. That was the weirdest scene in the entire thing. So bizarre. And then he goes on to a radio show to talk about it and then yeah. do a Luke Cage rap. Yeah. Well, that's an actual radio show, too. I, I don't remember the name of it, but I was I was talking with some people and that's, apparently it's like a real radio oh, show in New York. Yeah. Nice. It's like it's like when Larry King shows up on Ghostbusters. It's kind of that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. 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 But yeah, he uh, and he, and he keeps the hoodie, too. He's wearing the, the yeah. Luke Cage hoodie the with the bullet holes. Hoodie. Yeah. The bullet hole. Luke Cage, Luke Cage hoodie. hoodie. Yeah. And uh. And then there's also like I, it's it's great that they talk about this and they use that they use the show as a, as a medium for conveying this message these messages about taking care of your community and standing up and like you know you can't keep your head down and mm-hmm. you know and and avoid conflict it just doesn't work that way but there's also what's going on with Mariah and and Cornell where mm-hmm. you know we, we talked a little bit about this how they're like two sides of the same coin like they're they're literally one character split into two separate characters for the show. Right. You know, it's, it's, you have, like, it's almost like id and ego going on there, you know, Mm -hmm. like one's trying to suppress the other, you know, it's like, I'm out of this game. I don't need it, but it keeps getting drawn back in. The other one is just pure ego, enjoying everything that's going on around, around him. I think I got that metaphor, right? I think so. I think that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and eventually it gets to the point where Mariah in episode seven snaps and kills him mm-hmm. where she's able to take on that personality. And she's she sort of right. She absorbs kind of that part and yeah. then now can embody both. She's still the tactful politician trying to keep her head above all of this and how she's, oh, I don't know anything about that. Yeah. But she's also now much more directly manipulating things behind the scenes and um 
you know, understands now that she really does have blood on her hands. Yeah. She gets it now. Quite literally. Literally. She, and she, you know, she, she understands that now and kind of recognizes that she can't have it both ways. Yeah. I mean, there, there's some skillful writing going on in this show. I mean, for a superhero show, it's pretty skillful writing, I think. Mm-hmm. The way that they're, they, they talk about complex messages and complex characters without... Aside from Luke Cage being too one-dimensional, I mean, I like Luke Cage a lot. I I think that uh, that's a uh, what's his, what's his name Coates, uh, the guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think he does an excellent job playing him. Uh, Mike Coulter, not Coulter. Um, Coulter does a really great job with him. I just think that he's a little bland. I thought so too. He was actually my least favorite character. Well, I felt bad about that. Not character, but least favorite, I guess, actor. Um, no, it's char- it's his character. It's- yeah. He doesn't get a lot to do with his character except stand around and look really good. We we talked a bit about this, I think, the 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 first time. Uh so we have to sort of repeat it here a little bit, but the idea that he's a little too morally pure uh, pure his yeah. moral compass is is just a little bit too high. There's not and and I thought it was interesting because um, we're so used to, and and maybe we're kind of done with this a little bit, or maybe we should scale it back a little bit. But um, the whole anti-hero thing of this sort of second golden age of television that yeah. we had, you know, with you know Breaking the Sopranos, and- the Breaking Bad, Mad Men, all of these guys, you know, House of Cards that we don't really like as much, but Boardwalk Empire and every show has these and um, you know, these dubious um, characters. You want to root for them, you don't really like to root for them. They do bad things, they kind of. Incredible increasingly bad things luke doesn't really do that no he's all about just like i didn't ask for any of this i'm gonna try to use it to do the right thing hopefully i do and he and he's not willing to make any of these backroom deals to do you know he's not killing anybody he bending guns <laughs> yeah i mean he's literally he's just like he's a superhero he's yeah. just a legitimate and and then to, to counter that with this whole like i'm no hero I'm just a regular guy. It's like, well, you're clearly not. Even if you didn't have powers, you're clearly not just a regular guy because most regular people are just kind of selfish, yeah, you know, and clueless. We don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's fairly it is refreshing in a lot of ways, and I I kind of like that. But that you know, once again, I grew up with comic books. You know, I'm used to the Paragon hero. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we talked a lot about Joseph Campbell, like the Joseph Campbell bingo card last time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where he's, you know... Your reluctant hero. You have your reluctant hero with the wise mentor. You have the female character. The, you have the call to action. You have the, the, the refusal, the refusal of, the of the call. Oh, it's, yeah. It fits every single one of those. Sure. And I think that's what makes it work a little bit, is that you do have this... That's Cam- pretty classic. Yeah, this Campbell mythos with a modern crime drama, which... Wouldn't normally mix together, but you have to have a character who's bulletproof to work inside of a modern crime drama. It, I think it's, so. It's the only way it will work. Sure. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's better. Like he's a better Captain America than Captain America because he's focusing on his neighborhood to make his neighborhood better, while Captain America is working like all over the country. You know, we're gonna we're gonna pick up a lot of the background noise, but that's because we're just in Joe's house. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you 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 know, you talk about this in the Batman versus Superman podcast of like how does Superman pick who to save? And just so we randomly right. sees on it's TV, it's his whims. Yeah, yeah. 
here you have Luke Cage working with a, a small area that he knows where to work with. Mm-hmm. There is nothing unique about that. Um, it, it, it's very unique, I should say. There's nothing, you know, uh, uh, too hard to explain about that. Like, you don't... Yeah. Like, if something's going wrong in the neighborhood, which does happen, like, that girl's father's ring gets stolen, so he, Luke, goes and gets it back. Sure. There's a drug deal going on, Luke goes and stops it. Like, that's what Luke's supposed to do. The, oh, you having a problem? Go see Luke. Luke will take care of it. Like, mm-hmm. that's what it becomes, and it's kind of fun to watch in a lot of ways. I and would... compare that to what people say about uh, what Cottonmouth wants to be, but what his aunt, yeah. I guess, uh, what Mama we... Mabel... Yeah. Uh, how she was, where it's yeah. if something, if you need something, <laughs> go see you go see her yeah. while she's doing it through, you know, illicit means. She's hurting people. She's, yeah. you know, taking care of things, but it's through, you know, bribery she got uh, through committed crimes, basically. Yeah. Ill-gotten money. Prostitution, gambling, that Luke sort of stuff. Luke is like, I'll, I'll pick you up. Yeah. Pick you up by your shirt, and I'll throw you in a garbage can. <laughs> I'll just smack you. <laughs> and then you do the right thing. Yeah. I mean, and it's it's funny. Like, I would actually like to have seen more of that, Like, which I think they might get a little more with season two, where, Maybe. It's, where it's more of Luke just sitting in the neighborhood, you know, sitting at his barbershop. <laughs> and some, Sitting around. Someone, like, playing checkers with, uh, or playing chess with, with, fish, with fish, and then, and then someone comes in and is just like, Luke, uh, my house got broken into, and they took my... my, my I don't, I don't know my water softener. And <laughs> Luke, my water softener. Harlem has a has hard water. water. That's a terrible. And then Luke just comes. At, Luke sees that and he's like, "All right, who did it?" He's like, "Oh, it was Jimmy down on the hundred twelfth. And so Luke just goes <laughs> and to he Jimmy's. goes into Jimmy's house and he's standing there and he's got like eight water softeners. He's like, "I'm gonna have the softest water in Harlem." And they're like, "Jimmy, you put those back." He's like, oh, Luke Cage. Here, taste his water. He's like, I don't need to taste your water. I know it's soft. I know it's very, very soft. It's silky smooth, but just we, like me. Yeah, but we don't we do not do that. And so <laughs> they get the water softener back and takes it back. Like, that's what I want to see. I want to see more of, like, that, that like, street-level... <laughs> Luke Cage doing things. Yeah, Luke Cage just doing things. Like, that's that's interesting to me. Like, <laughs> like, and then Misty, like, helping solve the crime. You know, like, something like that I would like to see. Yeah. By the way, uh, I don't think I mentioned it, but Misty takes a bullet when she's at the club uh, trying to get everyone out. And mm-hmm. uh, in the comics, her arm gets amputated and gets replaced by a robot arm. Ooh. So maybe she'd, get a, arm. maybe she'd get a robot arm the next season. She might. She didn't really uh, fully uh, heal. Fully heal. She didn't. She refused the services. She might get a robot arm next season. Spoiler. Yes. Robo arm. Um, she does seem disillusioned with uh, the whole police force anyway. So yeah. maybe she get a robot arm and she can go do some things on her own well she actually um forms a her own kind of detective agency um in the series with luke cage so i think that's where they're kind of going with it is mm-hmm. that she's gonna kind of uh robo arms pi yeah. maybe she'll team up with jessica jones for alias investigations oh maybe i don't know that would be maybe fun be, it, i think it'll work i'd watch that yeah i'll have to i'm not guilty you're the one who's guilty Lawmakers, the politicians, the Colombian drug lords, all you who lobby against making drugs legal, just like you did with alcohol during the prohibition, you're the one who's guilty. I mean, come on, let's kick the ballistics here. Ain't no Uzis made in Harlem. I mean, not one of us in here owns a poppy feet. This thing is bigger than Nino Brown. This is big business. 
This is the American way. All right, so we're going to do a little bit of a recast right now. Yeah, let's let's let's, let's do our recasting recast that we've never heard no. from each other. This will be quick. We've already gone like I think like an hour and a half on this, so it'll yeah, be that's a, fine. It's a, we 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 had to cover thirteen hours worth of television, so we sure did. All right, so I um, promised that this would be an extra long one. Yeah, so, I didn't say it would be worth listening to, no. but I promised it would be longer. So, um, I picked the recast. We we ended up doing early nineties. Uh, black crime drama. Now we already kind of mentioned a couple of these: uh, mm-hmm. King in New York, mm-hmm. uh, New Jack City, and you could go as far as saying like Boys in the Hood or mm-hmm. um, Dead President, Dead Presidents, uh, any of those. I, Juice, Juice was yeah, that was another one. Yeah, with Omar Epps from House. How <laughs> House is Omar Epps. Um, so let's start it off. Who is your Carl Lucas, a.k.a. Luke Cage, a.k.a. Power Man? Uh, my Luke Cage, uh, I went with, uh, we talk about him a little bit on this show, but Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington. I thought he was the... Uh, a lot of finger pointing in that the, one. The, the, the smooth... Yeah. Uh, kind of guy, the action hero of that era. I could, yeah. I could, I could see him doing it. My my second pick was, uh, although he might have been a little young for it, uh, was Tay Diggs. Tay Diggs, uh, without could... the this house Stella got groove her groove black uh, wireframe glasses. <laughs> I don't want to see Luke Cage with the wireframe glasses. glasses. No. Those are out. They need to stay out. For my uh, Luke Cage, I went with. A guy who who's trying to bring back the black exploitation genre. I went with Mario Van Peebles. Yeah, uh, star of Full Moon, where he he's a superhuman werewolf. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I think that's what it was. I don't remember what the what the exact. I was, it was it was some stupid ass movie. I it remember doesn't matter. Natasha Henstridge was in it. Oh. Um. So who did you go for for your Cornell Cottonmouth Stokes? Uh, I went with uh, a guy who hadn't done a lot of acting up to that point. Um, he had started to do some, um, and, but nothing quite at this level. So I thought for, for t- if this was going to be for TV uh, or if it was going to be for a small movie, it might work. Um, went with uh, the rapper Tupac Shakur. Tupac Shakur. The late great. Yeah. He, he would, you know, he, he would probably he would be my Turk. I think if I, if we cast a Turk, that's the kind of stuff that he would do. Would play like a henchman or something like that. And I thought, like, I just I, I liked the the way that music was a part of it and was a part of his background. And I could see him really getting into that and really getting into that character. Like thinking about if he would think about like use as motivation. What if he never did get into music? You know, and followed more of like a street life or had more crime. Yeah. Uh, aspirations around him. Uh, that would be fun for him, I think. I, I could see it. Um, I actually went with um, a favorite of our podcast, uh, Wesley Snipes. <laughs> Blade himself. Blade his cotton mouth. He'd just be wearing sunglasses the entire time. Exactly. He'd actually have a crown on. <laughs> right. He'd be like, this is better than me standing in, in front of the of picture. Now I'm wearing the crown. <laughs> yeah. Get it? It's a metaphor for how I got a crown. <laughs> What about your Mercedes Misty Knight? Um, I wasn't crazy about this pick. I forgot who yours was. I didn't change any of my picks. Yeah, I didn't change uh, any Which was either. probably good. Uh, but I went with Vanessa Williams. Vanessa Williams. Now my favorite pick. Who did you pick? Uh, I picked Jada Pinkett. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Much better. Pre Smith, Jada Pinkett. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Before Jada she became... Just Pinkett, full stop. Yeah, Jada Just Pinkett. Jada Fish Mooney Pinkett Smith. Right. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, from another show we don't watch. <laughs> uh, how about your 
Urban Shades Alvarez. My shades. Uh, Actually, it says his name is. Oh, it's, oh, Her- it's Herman. Hernan. It's it, er, what it's is it? Hernan. H e r n a n. But the way that the kerning looks like it looks like it says He Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a better name than Shades. Yeah, Hernan. Good old He Man. Uh, I also went with uh, a rapper turned actor, Ice T. Ice T. Um, I went because he's kind of like a weird nebulous uh, ethnic mix. I went with John Leguizamo. <laughs> nice. Um, he was he was my my first pick. I also would go with the Jesus himself. Um, uh, John Turturro would be another good pick. Nice. Yeah, he's yeah. good at playing basically whatever ethnic person you want. Yeah, and he's always like that weird sidekick in like those movies. Like he always show up in a movie like New Jack City or something like that. Is yeah. like this weird guy in the background. Yep. <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? What are you? <laughs> um. How How about your uh, Willis Stryker? Uh, AKA Diamondback. Oh, you know what? I don't have one oh, because right. I didn't have one before and I forgot to add yeah, him. Yeah. Oops. That's what I, that was mine. It was iced tea. I went oh, with okay. iced tea in there. Like, he's like, I got a Judas bullet for you. <laughs> I go, wait, hold on. Let me get my iced tea voice really quick. Yeah. Um, so what you're saying is <laughs> I got a bullet that will go into Luke Cage and explode. <laughs> now, if he's bulletproof. <laughs> Then how is the bullet? Oh, that's right. That's how you got to put the list in there. How is the bullet going to kill him? How the bullet? And they're like, well, it's it's a it's a special bullet, and yeah, but he's bulletproof. <laughs> You're getting a little bit into Mike Tyson. You get a little <laughs> Mike Tysony there. All right, all right. Moving Mike on. Tyson would be a great Diamondback there too you go. for the end fight scene. There you go. Oh, that's a good one. Why don't you add Mike Tyson in there? Perfect. Me and Luke Cage have brothers. Judith for Judith. <laughs> Judith for Judith. <laughs> Judith? Like Judith Light? No, <laughs> you know, Judith, the guy who betrayed Deedith. <laughs> <laughs> for 30 pieces of silver. He just can't even say it. Just gets away from him. You know what? You know what? Screw all you guys. And he just starts beating them down and killing them. <laughs> well, that's pretty much what he does. So it works. Um, how about your uh, Claire Temple? Do you have a Claire Temple? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, I went with Lisa Bonet. Oh, great. Yes. I can uh, see that. Of the Cosby Show. Sure. Um, who also started with Tupac Shakur in that one movie. Um, yeah. And then how about your Mariah Dillard? My Mariah Dillard is the great Angela Bassett. That's who I went with as well. We uh, both I, we both picked excellent. the Angela Bassett. Nice. Um. All right. My uh, well, oh, no, you got I did, oh, yeah, we got directors. I wanted to quickly talk. I wanted to quickly mention because I really liked uh, the idea of this. Um, I did a, a cast a pop. Yes, and that was uh, Richard Roundtree. Yeah, as, aka Shaft. Yeah. I thought that would be fun, and you could you know play off that that he used to kind of you know beat down guys and do his thing. Uh, but another really good uh, I thought pick for him. Um, Although I ended up casting, uh, I had a, a, I put him as Bobby Fish just because I really wanted him in there, and that's Lou Gossett Jr. Lou Gossett Jr. I think that uh, since it's early '90s, I'm going to put uh, Red Fox in as my pop. Because nice. Just to explain, Rick, Red Fox being the same age as uh, Wesley Snipes. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a little closer. Me and Gamma, we hang around together. <laughs> he's, he's, he's lying. Up. I'm coming for you, Elizabeth. This big one. Put another goddamn dollar in the swear jar. <laughs> But Pop, why don't you have to... Shut up! I don't have to do nothing. <laughs> Easy. Uh, <laughs> Easy. 
<laughs> um, and, and who is your director? Oh, I think my direct. I, I just said uh, it was actually your uh, Mario Van Peebles. Mario Van Peebles. That's <laughs> who I went with. Yeah, Mario. Why not? It's Star like- and director. I've seen you before, haven't I? Uh, Gary, right? Barry. Barry, Barry right. Allen. Sorry. No, it's fine. It's- Sorry. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me. Who the hell is this? I created a whole other existence. There's even a Flash, so I don't have to be. More like Kid Flash. <laughs> don't call me that. I'm gonna help you stop the rival. You just kidnapped this one. No, I didn't. She's a scientist. We need her. Follow my lead. The Flash doesn't follow anyone. Listen to him, Molly. He's the Flash. The devil gonna all right, so uh, really quickly, um, we're just going to do a recap of just some some stuff. We're talking about Marvel Television right now with the Netflix show. Um, I just wanted to mention that uh, all of the the CW shows are coming back now. Mm-hmm. Um, they're on a different channel if you're in Chicago now. No longer on WGN, the world's greatest network. They are on channel fifty, WPWR. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, the uh, you have the Flash coming back, and it's already kind of doing like a lot of more timeline stuff. You know, mm. like that's the joke now. Barry just screwed up the timeline every yep. time he tries to go back. He's screwing up the timeline even more. Yeah, um, it's all right. It's it's starting off pretty good. Supergirl started off incredibly well. I knew that when that show went to the CW, it was going to take off. That was always the better home for it. I don't know what CBS was doing. Just Supergirl's not a doctor or a lawyer or a cop. She doesn't belong on that network. Yeah, no one over the age of 45 is going to watch Supergirl. And so that's no. and that's CBS's thing. It's like Supergirl, what branch of the Navy does she work for? <laughs> you know, right. exactly. Yeah. Um and they're really hitting the what CW likes to do is, and especially um, the the what's his name, the the producer of all those shows. Well, I can't think of it. It's not Mark Burnett. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, but he loves to do like like take like the main influences of the show and kind of like really circle it back. So um, Green Arrow has a lot of Batman feel to it, mm-hmm. or Arrow as it's called. Um, Flash takes a lot of its cues from like that one season show that ran back in the day mm-hmm. um but there's a supergirl never really had that like i always kind of felt like that it, one movie yeah but we i should talk about the movie and it, it always kind of like just felt kind of nebulous like where are they going with this now they're kind of pushing it more towards like the 1970s donner superman nice. there's a lot of references to the 70s donner superman in it and it works incredibly well for it um, I'm excited to be done with Luke Cage finally, so I can actually go and start watching these shows again. Yeah. I just have not had the time. Well, they have. Um, I think his name is Tyler Hoechlin is playing Superman in the first uh, in the the, the first episode. Uh, of not the Brandon. Se- Routh, or first huh? two episodes. Yeah, first two. Seasons. Not Brandon Routh, which is a busy. shame yeah. because he's on Legends of Tomorrow. And I was telling this to my wife is because she, she was watching Superman with me, and I was like, it's just such a shame that they haven't he's busy playing Adam. Yeah. Adam man. Adam and the Adam. <laughs> The atom plague, Adam and up and atom, up and at them, <laughs> up and at them, <laughs> up and at them, better, better. Uh, but he's a uh, the guy that got like my wife goes. He's very ethnic looking. <laughs> it's like he's a very Italian looking Superman. I'm not gonna lie, he's he's got like he's very Italian looking. All right, like you just expect him to like like all of a sudden like he he, he opens up his shirt to show the Superman symbol and then, like the Superman just got like a little bit of V neck, a little bit of chest hair showing and, and like a gold, gold cross, G- like a horn yeah. of Italy, like just hanging out right there. Right. You know, hey, 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 oh, 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 that's my cousin you're talking to. Everything's there. about his grandma back in Krypton. <laughs> <laughs> my grandma back on Krypton made this recipe. <laughs> come on, come on. We're going to go to my fortress of solitude. Oh, we're going to the Antarctic? No, no, no. It's over on the west side. 
<laughs> no, it's Mario's down there. <laughs> See, they cut the... it's the scene of like where, like in The Godfather, it's that like little Italian <laughs> joint, yeah. and it just cuts to their sitting around the table. It's like Batman goes up best behind... garlic bread uh, in the city. <laughs> he go... Batman goes behind the toilet and pulls out like kryptonite and brings it to the table. <laughs> Basically. Oh, but yeah, it starts off really great. There's like references to like Miss Tessmacher, and nice. uh, they're finally kind of uh, Cat Grant, who is um, Calista Flockhart. Mm-hmm. She's uh, she's kind of leaving the show. I think she's going to go down to like guest appearances only. Okay. Um, the the Jimmy Olsen character is going to kind of take over as the Cat Grant. Okay. And the guy who um, Diana, who is that guy from uh? Ah, never mind. I'm not even going to bother. <laughs> That Cougar Town. Who's the guy from Cougar Town? Oh, Ian Gomez. Ian Gomez. Is, Ian Gomez. He's playing. I don't know who that is. He's kind of playing the Perry White character. He was uh, on Cougar Town with uh, Courtney Cox and Felicity. And Felicity. He was also on. So he's My two favorite shows. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Cougar Town was funny. I didn't see a lot of it, but it was funny until it moved to TBS. Well, but TBS is always funny. It's always is that their thing? Always. Funny? I think. I think it's. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't really it's, matter. It's never cares. funny. It's. <laughs> It's a Never. lie. <laughs> it's definitely a lie. It's a lie. Um, but yeah, th- those are really great. Um, Ages of Shield is also back, but I have not been watching it. Uh, a friend of Scott Ghost Rider. A friend of mine who's been watching it likes it quite a bit. Um, I kept thinking they were saying Ghost Writer. Yeah, and that's not. It's it's a totally different thing. Yeah, there was that one episode where they did the whole thing about the internet with the girl from Ten Things I Hate About You. Oh. So yeah, it's the only thing I know about Ghost Writer, the mm. show. Yeah, you can be a keyboard jockey, gonna surf the waves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cyber time. Cyber time. Um, but yeah, so th- those are the shows that are coming back. And I know Legends of Tomorrow is gonna be coming back. And they're- Legends of Tomorrow is complete DC wankery. It's all about, like, oh, I love DC comics, so I'm just gonna jam in as much, like, DC stuff that I yeah. can ever possibly think of into that show. So if you don't know it, you're kind of like, Oh, this is fun. I have no idea what's going on. No. And then there's me going like, Kevin, did you see there was Metamorpho on the show? It, you know Metamorpho. <laughs> he's great. They have Rex Tyler. He's our man. He's, he's going to be the new hero this season. And you're just I, like, I don't know. I know. I'm it, Well, because I, I, I sort of stopped paying attention to Arrow, too. I know I've, I've been on record several times on this show of, of sticking with Arrow. And I was like, I swear to God, if they're on the island again, and this is like the sixth season. I'm like, I swear to God, if they're still on doing island flashbacks, I'm done. I'm out. And before it even aired, I heard the writers, you know, at some panel being like, we've got really good ideas for the island stuff this season. Uh, and I'm like, I'm, I'm done. Not watching it. Do not care. And it was basically like, even before I stopped watching it, it was like all of the characters from Arrow that I liked the least. They're like, no, they're all going to get their own show. And I'm like, I will not be watching that show. <sighs> it's like the whiny Red Arrow and what's her face? <laughs> what's her face? And Brandon Routh not being Superman. Yeah. Um, Legend Being not Iron Man either. I yeah. I I always think I hope that they fix the Adam costume for the new new season. Like they make it more towards the traditional Adam costume because it's a good costume. It's a it's a very well designed costume. They just get Adam Ant. He's not doing anything. You stop it with the Adam Ant references. <laughs> make like six this year. I think we're four over our limit. <laughs> we're gonna get charged. Never. All right.
brothers are amused by other brothers' reps But the thing you know best is where the gun is kept Cause in the night you'll feel fright And at the sight of a four-fifth, I guess you just might Wanna do a dance or two Cause he could maybe bust you for self or with a crew No matter if you or your brother's a star He could pop you in jet without a getaway car And some might say that he's a dummy But he's sticking you for taking all of your money It's a daily operation He might be loose in the park or lurking at the train station Mad brothers know his name So he thinks he got a little fame from the stick-up game And while we're blaming society He's at a party with his man They got the eye on the gold chain That the next man's wearing It looks big, but they ain't staring Just thinking of a way and when to get the brother They'll be long gone before the kid recovers And back around the way he'll have the chain on his neck Claiming respect just to get a rap All right, so Luke Cage coming at you. Yeah. Well, what are you going to give the funky. Luke Cage? A funky. Give oh. it an F for funky. Wait, no, no that sounds bad. I can't give it an F. F. That's a low grade. <laughs> uh, I will give it a B plus for being funky <laughs> plus <laughs> awesome. I don't know. I'm being, no. I'm, I'm getting a little silly right now. We're at the two-hour mark here. Yeah. I, can't, I uh, can't keep podcasting. Uh, I'm going to give it. Oh, you go. You have more to say? We can talk about. It. I mean, I just just to expand on my B plus. I guess I I I'm trying to think of it in relation to. I, I'm trying to think of it as its own thing while also sort of thinking about how it relates to the other shows. I mean, we talked a little bit when we recorded this the first time that neither of us were particularly impressed with Daredevil season two. Um, it seemed to be a little bit too much of just a holding pattern. Like nothing really progressed on that one. Um, I don't even remember what happened on that season. Um, Jessica Jones, I liked a lot, but my wife and I both agreed that we liked this more than Jessica Jones. Um, I think because Jessica Jones was so repetitive. It was like it had the one story of her versus Kilgrave, and it just it that wasn't enough. And so what they needed to do was it was like primed for that. She had a detective agency. She yeah. could have helped people out with her detective agency while also like not like a quite like a case of the week thing, but something but like, like Darede- that. Daredevil did that quite a bit where they would have like him taking on a case. Right. You know, and you could do something like that. And this didn't need it because as we were kind of trying to describe the plot, there was so much going on. Yeah. Um I think it was better. I think it was a tighter story i think it was a more interesting story yeah. well i mean and like we didn't even really talk about it but the villain's relationship with luke cage is is tangential at best like they're dealing with issues that are not luke cage luke cage just happens to be a thorn in their side right you know it's like yeah. they, they're just trying to get business done and like like that's the thing is it's not adversarial like kilgrave versus jessica jones it's more like we're trying to run a crime empire here this yeah. guy keeps on trying to screw it up like let's take care of him yeah it's a little bit more like like what daredevil is where where he's like getting his start like i think i'm gonna try to be a superhero i'm not very good at it yet and he decides to immediately take on wilson fisk who's like the biggest you know crime boss in hell's in hell's kitchen well yeah in that (laughs) little area four square blocks (laughs) 
But be that as it may, I mean, people know him and people referenced him. There was a lot of callbacks to that show on oh, there was a cage. Yeah. Well, I kind of that's also what I hated was was like when she when Rosario Dawson was like, I have a friend who's a good lawyer. (laughs) She said it like six times and nobody cares. She's like, I get it. I know a lawyer. And they're like, No, I don't need it. Well, I know a lawyer. Well, the funny thing too is like she she never she could have said like, Oh, I got this. I have these good lawyer friends who owe me a favor. You know, Murdoch and Nelson. It's like. Like, we would have been like, oh, that's great. But she's like, I have this lawyer friend. And we're just like, just say the name. Just, just say the name. <laughs> just say what it is. Yeah. We know what it is. Yeah. You know what, what it, it is. is. We all know what it is. Just say what it is. Yeah. I got this detective friend, too. But I like it. I think it was uh, a little slow. I think you talked a bit about, um, as we were kind of setting this up last time, um, that your concern was that it was going to be a couple of episodes too long, like they these shows always all are. are. And it definitely was. It did not need to be as long of a season as it was. Um, it, I really started to check out in the last, like, four episodes. They need to cut those down to ten episodes per season. Thirteen episodes is great, and I like that we have extra time to play in this world, but... When you have 10 episodes, you have to cut it down. Like, what they should do is they should write 13 episodes and then cut it down to 10. Yeah. That's the way it should be done. Because that way you could get a tighter season. It could be done far... It could be done a lot quicker and it could be a lot more interesting. Which is part of the reason I'm giving you it... You spend a little bit more money on it, too. Yeah. I'm giving it... Well, they already spent $6 billion this year. They're going to be spending $6 billion this year on... Their Netflix originals. Six billion. Well, maybe they shouldn't do 500 shows a year. <laughs> well, they should. You know, they, they, they're doing much more crappier shows now. <laughs> they seem to be. Yeah. All right. We saw one. Uh, I, what is it? I, haters. Something no, about haters. going to hate. And I, it popped up and I went, oh, what is that? And Kristen's like, no. And I'm like, well, I don't even know what it is. And she's like, it's that girl. It's got that girl. And I'm like, I don't know who you're talking about. She's like. Oh, the, you know, she's a YouTube star. And I was like, say no more. <laughs> exactly. You lost me at YouTube star. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, that's why I give Luke Cage like an A minus. I absolutely loved it. Um, I love all of the Marvel shows with the exception of Netflix. And uh, Daredevil season two, I was about half good. I would actually go down to about probably a C plus on that one. But most, yeah. of, the, most of them are all A's. Um, I think I like this one second best uh, Daredevil first season. Um, I liked it a little better than Jessica Jones, uh, j- because for the same thing, Jessica Jones probably was about eight really good episodes, mm-hmm. and about five episodes of her just being depressed, uh, which yeah. I, it's all right. My wife really liked Jessica Jones, and, but I think that it's a lot to do with, I I don't want to say Jessica Jones is more of a female, like a show that appeals more to females, but in a lot of ways it does. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, as I as I say. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just you know wasn't necessarily my bag. I enjoyed it a lot. I thought mm-hmm. it was great, but it wasn't one of those things where I'm like, I really want to watch more Jessica Jones. I don't really care that much. Yeah, I may or may not rewatch it <laughs> for yeah. season two. We'll see. Um, but I I enjoyed the hell out of this. I thought it was, um, I thought it was a great way of paralleling an interesting story with a Peregrine hero, which you normally it's very difficult to do. Yeah. Um, I loved the cinematography. I loved the music. Uh, I loved the editing. I thought it was great. Um, as I say, cut down a couple episodes. Cut down three episodes. Make it tighter. Um, and, you know, give Eric LeRae Harvey so a little bit more to do in this instead of just glowering. Yeah, instead of being... Well, I mean, he's he's just... He's very cartoonish. And I think it'll be interesting to see if he 
I, I'm expecting he'll probably just steer really hard into that, and he'll yeah. be even crazier next season. Yeah. And that should well, be yeah, really if he fun shows to up watch. Next season, yeah, it's like quoting Bible verses and just being menacing. Exactly. All right, so go to planetarbitrary.com for our planet arbitrary needs. You can follow me on Twitter at planet arbitrary. You can follow Kevin at at k white says like our Facebook page backslash comic book logic. Um, the best way you can help out the podcast is like, comment, subscribe on iTunes, and you could also like our sister podcast, Play On Podcast, which is all about video games, and you could also uh, game classy, which is all about the tabletop gaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Kevin, until next time, sweet Christmas. Comic, what, logic. <laughs>